are listening to the Midwestern American Podcast. Straight to you from the middle of the map. Welcome to the Midwestern American Podcast on this Tuesday, April 14th. And I want to thank every single one of you guys for checking this out. I also want to apologize because I've been slacking. I I planned on doing a lot more podcasts up to this point, and there's just been so much going on. And I know that's not a good excuse, So, uh, but but it's it's true. Uh, I've been extremely busy, and I think about it every day that I need to get another podcast out. Um, So it's actually pretty late uh on this tuesday april 14th so i'm just trying to get this done this is when i found the time to to put this together and get it out there for you guys because i want to catch you up on some stuff if you don't already know it's kind of been a a weird crazy week um obviously coronavirus is still a thing we're gonna get to that i just don't want to lead off with that because i think we could all use a little bit of a break so i'm not going to lead off with coronavirus but instead I'm going to talk about uh, everybody loves Bernie, right? <laughs> we're going we're to talk about Bernie. Uh, we're going to talk about Biden. Uh, it, we're going to get into all that. Um, so we're going to we're going to touch on some on some politics and some election stuff. Uh, we're going to talk on or touch on uh, you know Trump news, of course. Uh, you know his announcements, things that he has said, things that the media does. You know all the fun wonderful stuff uh, between the media and Trump. We're going to touch on all that, but I definitely, definitely, definitely have to start this with the biggest thing that happened in the last week, and that is Bernie suspending his campaign and essentially giving the nomination to Joe Biden, unless the Democrats decide that they're going to go ahead and bring somebody else in like uh, Andrew Cuomo, uh, because they seem to be propping him up with his daily New York press briefings. But for right now, it does look like Joe Biden will be the presumptive uh, Democratic nominee to go up against Trump, which I believe will be like a Saturday Night Live skit. Uh, It's going to be pretty comical. I'm actually excited to watch that. I think that'll be great. Um, Maybe not for Democrats so much, um, because I don't think Biden will even hold a candle against Trump. The guy is struggling uh, in, in many of his interviews. He's not really out in the public eye as much as he probably should be, as somebody in his position would be right now. Obviously, coronavirus plays a role in that too, but people get to see Trump every single day. He's holding these briefings every day, and they are extremely popular. His ratings have gone up since he started doing this, um, and, and Biden's just kind of in the shadows uh, and, and anytime he does make some kind of appearance, it's typically not good. He's usually stuttering. Um, he, he's, he's really, really in a bad place. Uh, I, I believe mentally. So this is just not a good look for him. Uh, and then in, there was a phone call between, or not a phone call, but like a, uh, like a zoom or like a Skype conversation between him and Bernie when Bernie endorsed him. Uh, which is pretty funny in itself, but both of them, it's like you got these two old guys that are just struggling and Bernie's typically pretty sharp, but he, even he struggled in that conversation. They're both stuttering and saying the wrong things. And 
uh, it, it was pretty comical. So a uh, lot of good stuff there. But uh, let's start it off with Bernie announcing that he is suspending his campaign. I wish I could give you better news, but I think you know the truth. And that is that we are now some 300 delegates behind Vice President Biden and the path toward victory is virtually impossible. So while we are winning the ideological battle and while we are winning the support of so many young people and working people throughout the country, I have concluded that this battle for the Democratic nomination will not be successful. And so today I am announcing the suspension of my campaign. Okay. This actually should have happened uh, a few weeks ago, if not a month ago. There was really no mathematical way that he could end up getting the nomination anyway. But he decided to go ahead and string this along as, as long as he could. I, I don't know. Maybe he was thinking that, you know, Joe Biden really is struggling uh, uh, physically, mentally. Um, and maybe he thought that if he just held on long enough, I don't know, maybe maybe Biden wouldn't be able to continue and he would just be handed it. I have no idea what his plan was. I, I do kind of think it was messed up that, you know, in, in Wisconsin, they had primary elections and, and he even knew at that point that there was no chance he could win. But he stayed on. He stayed on the ballot. People stood outside, you know, for for quite a long time to be able to get in and to vote. And they voted for him. And the very next day, he announces that he suspended his campaign. So you know, kind of a shot in the back to those people that, that went out there and voted for him um, and tried to support him and, and, you know, was on his side just for him to turn around and suspend it the very next day. I, I think that was probably not uh, a wise move on, on his behalf. But I don't think that was the worst move he made. I think the worst move that he's made now is endorsing Biden. And the reason I say that is because most people are going to think, well, you know, he ran on the Democrat side, you know, he's, he's basically conceding. So he should, you know, go ahead and give his support uh, to the, to the front runner of the democratic party. And I agree. That's typically the way this works. The reason why I think this is a big mistake for Bernie, especially moving forward, if he decides he's going to try to run for president again, this is really going to hurt him again. This is the second time that he's done this the second time that he's essentially come in second place on the Democrat side. He is so anti-establishment. That is what he runs on is being anti-establishment. Let's not forget Bernie Sanders is not a Democrat. He has a lot of democratic policies. Actually they're, they're extremely left progressive policies, but he is a, an independent. He's a registered independent. Now, he's not an independent. <laughs> By his policies, he's clearly not an independent. But he is very anti-establishment. He, he's, he got screwed by the Democrats in 2016. He should have won in 2016. It shouldn't have been Hillary Clinton. It should have been Bernie. He got screwed then, and he still bowed down and, and you know supported Hillary moving forward. So here we go with take two. He does it all again. He, he's he got the, the following. He's got the excitement and the motivation. He wins, you know, right out the gate. He wins a couple primaries, and it looks like Bernie's just going to run away with this thing, which, you know, is very weird because the majority of this country is not for progressive politics. But it, it did look like he was going to take off with it. And then, you know, Super Tuesday happened, and he just got absolutely crushed. Uh, and, and at that point it was like the tables completely turned. It was Biden moving forward. There was nothing he was going to be able to do. He stayed in as long as he could. He fought hard. Uh, he did everything he could. Let's be honest. Young people don't vote. Bernie had the young people 
and they'll go to his rallies and they'll talk about him on Twitter and they'll they'll do all this Bernie bro, I love Bernie stuff. But when it comes time to go and vote, they they're they're not there. I don't know what they're doing. If they're sleeping or you know they got other important things to do. I have no idea. They're definitely not voting, and that is going to hurt Bernie every time. He can get the excitement from the young people, but they're not going to get out there and vote for him. So once he realizes that he can't win, um, well, I guess he realized he couldn't win, and he stuck around for a while longer anyway. But once he drops out, then immediately, right away, immediately, he shows his support for Joe Biden. Well, like I said, this is the second time he's done this. I don't understand why are you running on anti-establish or anti-establishment the entire campaign, but then as soon as you realize you're defeated, it's okay. Well, I'm going to back whoever the nominee is. I mean, Hillary Clinton doesn't like him, and I'm assuming just this just an assumption. I'm assuming he doesn't like her either, and she recently made that very clear in that, that special that was on Hulu, which is a disaster. Um, she made it clear that not only did she not like Bernie, but a lot of Democrats didn't like Bernie. And and I, I feel bad for the guy. Uh, I mean, I don't agree with him at all. Not even on one thing, I don't agree with him. But I do feel bad for this man because he he has tried his hardest two times now to, to get this nomination. He, he got screwed the first time by the DNC. Um, this time he didn't get screwed. He just didn't get the votes. I mean, it, it's, it's very clear. People can be upset about it if they want. Um, but, but there was nothing was rigged here, but Bernie just didn't get the people to get out and vote. And that is always going to be his Achilles heel. He's never going to get these young people to go out, stand in line and vote for him. They're just not going to do it. So, uh, he, he misses out on it again, but then he turns around and he bows down to the DNC again. I just don't understand why he keeps doing that. That is not a good look for him. It's not a good look for his base. I think there's a lot of people that really supported and followed Bernie to see him do this again. I just, I don't know. I think that cripples him and hurts him moving forward. I don't know if he's going to run again in 2024. I, I, you know, honestly, I hope not. Um, I'm, I'm a little burned out on the, on the Bernie stuff. Um, but it really does uh, depend on what happens in the next four years. Right now, the Democrats are so progressive. Everything is is so super hyper far left. If that continues moving into 2024 election, there's a chance he may try to run again. Uh, but I'd, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think, that, I think that Bernie has run his course now. I mean, we're talking about a guy who has literally been in politics his entire life. He is a multimillionaire with multiple houses, and he's out here telling everybody that, you know, there should be a, a wealth tax on the rich and that and that socialism is great and he's gonna do all these wonderful things for the country. But he's he really hasn't done a lot his whole life in politics. I'm not saying he hasn't done anything. So, you know, anybody who likes Bernie, don't don't freak out here. I'm not saying the guy's done nothing. But he definitely should have done a lot more with his time in politics. He just didn't do it. Um, he spent all this time campaigning, you know, in 2016 and in 2020 to end up in second place both times. So you can you can get it, the young crowd excited all you want, and they can campaign all they want for you, and they can do all this wonderful stuff and make your rallies look monstrous and all that. But when it comes time to vote, they just don't do it. I don't I don't know why. I just don't think it's as important to the young crowd. So 
Somebody like Bernie is never going to move forward with that. So I'm going to get off that. I'm, I'm rambling here. But anyway, so so Bernie, he he drops out and and he he goes ahead and he backs Joe Biden in that conversation. The next person that is showing his support for Biden, I think it's pretty funny because uh, it's Obama. And what I think is funny about it is Obama never supported Biden the entire time he was campaigning for this nomination. Never once. Never came out in support for Biden. I, I know he made a statement and said that he was going to stay out of it while it was in the primaries. I, I just... I mean, is that is that fair? I mean, I mean, Obama picked Joe Biden to be his vice president. I mean, for eight years, this man was his vice president. So why now, when Biden is running for the president of the United States, would Obama not support him on that? It seems strange to me uh, that he didn't come out right out the gate and say, "I support Joe Biden." That would have lit a fire in people on the Democratic side to really get a lot of support behind Biden. I don't understand why he didn't do that unless he feels like Biden's not the man for the job. Um, maybe it's because he just doesn't think he's the right man for the job just in general, or maybe it's because he sees his health deteriorating and he knows that he's going to get crushed when he goes up against Trump. I, you know, I really don't know, but I do think that it was kind of backhanded for Obama to sit and wait this entire time until, you know, uh, everybody else was done and and uh, Biden was the presumptive nominee. And then Obama puts this like 11 and a half minute video out on YouTube showing his support for uh, Joe Biden. So I don't know. Take it how you want it. I mean, the man he is, he is coming out in support for Biden. But I really think that the reason people like Bernie and Obama are supporting Biden is not necessarily because they want Biden to be president or that they think he's going to do a great job. I don't think that's the case. I think what's happening here is the entire uh, defeat Trump thing. It, it has nothing to do with we think Biden is a great candidate and, and you should support him. I think this really comes down to whatever it takes to beat Trump at this point. So otherwise, I, I don't think I don't know. I don't want to say I don't think Bernie wouldn't have supported him. Bernie did it with Hillary. Um but like I said, I, I think a lot of this just comes down to, well, you know, Biden is the man. Um, so we have to show support on our party and we got to do whatever it takes to beat Trump. And in this video that Obama released, there is a lot of those. I don't even want to call them undertones because he's very clear about what he's saying. A lot of this video was spent not propping up Joe Biden, but talking negative about Republicans and about Trump. And so I, I think the tact here, the tactic is to uh, make Republicans and make Trump out to be bad people instead of saying we have a great candidate. Typically you get both from, uh, from a campaign uh, for a presidential nomination or for, for a run for the president. You, you get both sides. You get, uh, obviously the other side is no good for X, Y, and Z, but our candidate is strong because of this and because of that. And, and we're going to be able to win and do these kind of things and all that. He doesn't really talk about any of that. He doesn't really go into detail on any policies. He does say that Biden is more progressive, the most progressive uh, candidate to run for president, which maybe that's true. 
Uh, Biden has always been just like a typical Democrat, maybe a little bit more moderate like Obama was. Um, I think now the progressive stance he's taking, I honestly don't think that's what he wants. I think he's doing that because he's trying to steal votes from Bernie. Um, I think he's trying to get the Bernie bros to vote for him. Because what happened in 2016 is probably going to turn around and happen again in 2020. All these people that were pro-Bernie, once Bernie dropped out, they said, screw it, I'm not, I'm not voting for anybody else. And they don't go to the polls, um, which they already don't go to the polls anyway. So, uh, But I think Biden is trying to capture their attention by saying, I'm going to be very progressive on this and this and this, um, like, like uh, Bernie would to try to get those people to go out and vote for him and support him with with this campaign. I just, I don't think that's gonna work. His ideas aren't gonna work with, here's, here's the thing, when, when you're campaigning for president, most of the time you're gonna win your own party and that's not really the issue. And and the other thing that, you're, that you know is you're probably not gonna win over the other party, right? So if you're a Republican and, and a staunch Republican, you're gonna vote for a Republican. And the same thing on the Democrat side. So when you go into this, you know that you're not going to sway the other side and that you have to make sure your base is good. Who you really want to try to sway is, is the moderates and the independents. Those are the ones you are really campaigning towards the entire time. That's why swing states are so important because they could go either way. So moderates and independents are really what campaigns are all about is trying to get just enough of those to come to their side and vote for them to take them over the top. I think what's been wrong on the Democrat side, this entire campaign for all of the candidates is they are trying too hard to really focus on their own base. You're not going to win over moderates and independents by talking about giving health care to illegal immigrants and, and opening the borders to anybody and all these really progressive ideas are not going to work on the general public. You may get your own base excited by it, and you may get the far left excited, and all them could be excited, but you already have those votes. They're not going to vote for Trump. So why spend all the time focusing on people that you've already got their vote? This makes no sense to me. I don't get it. Uh, but that's kind of been what they're running on. I think Biden is trying to get the... Bernie supporters to vote for him. And that is just, that's crazy. He's got to go for moderates and independents if he wants a chance in this. Um, because whether the Bernie people come out and vote for him or not, it's not going to give him a win. Getting Bernie's voters is not going to push him over the top. I mean, hell, Bernie couldn't even beat Joe Biden. And Joe Biden I can't even beat his way out of a paper bag. So I don't understand how going after Bernie's votes is going to really help him to win the presidency. I, I, I don't see that happening. I think that's a far cry here. He needs to go out. He's going after the wrong people. He needs to go after moderates and independents. Somebody who knows this really well is Trump. Trump is very good at keeping his base extremely happy. I, I mean, he's still like 94, 95% uh, approval in the Republican party, which is pretty crazy. I mean, I, I I understand that people are always going to, you know, go to their side and approve of the one on their side. But when you're talking 90 plus approval in your own party, that is that is way up there. Uh, a lot of people showed out to these primaries and voted for Trump and they didn't even need to. Uh, turnouts in many of these counties and in these uh, states 
were higher than the Democrat side. The Democrats had, hell, I don't even know, 87 people running for the presidency or running for the, the candidacy on their side. And they weren't even getting as many people turning out as the Republicans were to vote for Trump, which is a pointless thing to do because, of course, he's, you know, he's the incumbent. He's going to get it no matter what. But I think that shows how excited Republicans are or supporters of Trump are to get him back in the White House. I think Biden is looking at one hell of an ass whooping uh, that's about to come to him uh, here, in, here in a handful of months. So uh, let's get back to the Obama thing. Um, there's a couple things that he said in his 11 and a half minute video, quote unquote, supporting Biden, but it was really just bashing Republicans. So there's a couple clips here that I want to play and, and comment on a couple of them. Um, one of those is, is, uh, Obama talking negative about Republicans. Let's just go ahead and get to this one. Because one thing everybody has learned by now is that the Republicans occupying the White House and running the U.S. Senate are not interested in progress. They're interested in power. They've shown themselves willing to kick millions off their health insurance and eliminate pre-existing condition protections for millions more. Um, I think he's confused. Uh, Republicans aren't the ones kicking people off their health insurance. That was him. He's the one who did that. We're all very aware of Obamacare and what that did to people. We all know the famous line of, you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. We, we all are very aware of how that all went down and that the cost was going to be less. And now look at health insurance costs. I mean, they're unbelievable. The amount of people that are not covered by a health insurance policy today is staggering. And the only reason for that is because it's too expensive. Obamacare was supposed to relieve that. It just made it worse, made it a billion times worse. So I really don't like that he's trying to say that Republicans are kicking people off their health care. That's, that's an unfair statement. Uh, and that's just to rile up the Democrats. That's all it is. I mean, Republicans understand this is BS. So uh, that is a, a completely invalid statement. And then the whole, I, I keep hearing this thing about Trump wants to, or I guess Republicans and Trump want to uh, kill off the pre-existing condition thing. Trump has said it a million times that he's not doing that. I don't know why they keep bringing it up. Obama says it like it's fact. It has not happened. Pre-existing conditions are still covered. Anybody who has a pre-existing condition, you're, you're still covered by your health insurance. I don't know why they keep saying that, that Trump wants to get rid of that and that the Republicans are doing that because that is not the case. So I would love for him to show some validity to this because it's it's BS. Uh, so that that cracks me up that that Republicans don't care about anything; they just care about power. Um, I, I think it's quite funny that he says that, even though just a couple of weeks ago, Republicans were the ones trying to get through this uh, economic stimulus bill to put money in people's pockets, and the Democrats are the ones that held it up. So. Who's playing the power card here? It's definitely not Republicans. They're doing what they can to try to help out. And let's be fair, at the end of the day, this is a different situation than what Obama faced, right? Obama came in. I've seen a lot of people talking about this with the whole bailouts and, and all this stuff. Obama bailed out companies that hurt themselves, right? He didn't, it, they didn't do anything to hurt those companies. Those companies were in debt on their own. And he printed up trillions of dollars and handed it out to quote unquote, save them instead of just letting them file for bankruptcy and restructure, they would have been fine. 
but instead he he put a massive amount of money into them and whatever it is what it is we came out of it okay and everything was fine so maybe it was the right decision and maybe it wasn't we'll never know but to compare that to what is happening today is not even close what is happening today is we we had to shut down businesses and our economy and our way of life simply because of this COVID-19. And so it's basically the government telling you whether you're, whether you want to say it's federal or state or local, but the government in a whole has told us that we have to shut these things down. So when they give us money or they give businesses money or they give people money, whoever it may be, when they're giving you money, that is because they shut you down and they're trying to make sure that you can keep your business open. You can keep people employed because it was their doing. Now, it's not like it was their fault that that COVID-19 is here, but it was their call to shut these things down. This isn't this isn't the same as it was when Obama was here, you know, 08, 09, whenever that was. Um, this is totally different. These companies that are are hurting today that had to close or had to lay off employees or um, you know, still sitting here waiting for the SBA money, which is just a disaster. I'll get to that in a second. Um, this wasn't their own doing. This this wasn't like they had a bunch of, you know, self-inflicted issues. They weren't, it's not like they were mismanaging their money and, and paying CEOs hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars and got themselves in trouble like they did back in the Obama time. This is totally different. So you cannot say, that the bailout from the Obama administration is anywhere on par with what Trump's administration is dealing with right now. I'm not saying either one of them is right or wrong, but I, they're not the same. They're, they're very, very far away from each other. Uh, so, you know, keep that in mind when the government is making forcefully making you shut your business down, they should compensate you for that because that is not mismanagement on the business owners or the, or the manager's parts. That is directly correlated to what the government is making you do. So I think there's some relief there. If the SBA can quit dragging their feet and trying to change the rules that Congress laid forward, there's still a lot of people, I mean, millions of businesses out there who applied for these loans and still haven't seen any money. Um, it's, it's literally just being drug. I mean, they're dragging their feet so bad. This was supposed to be relief money to these businesses to keep people on payroll, to keep their business open. I don't want to say their doors open because that that's not a fair statement, but keep the business operational. And the SBA is screwing it up. They've screwed it up. And there's so many business owners that are just so pissed off right now because, you know, they, they can't they can't write checks to their employees. They can't. They can't pay their accounts payables. They can't do any of this stuff right now because they're literally sitting around waiting for this money to come in that we were, I don't say we, but businesses were supposed to get as soon as they applied. It was stated in the bill that a business, an eligible business that applies for this disaster loan would automatically get $10,000 within three days of applying and then there would be an additional loan amount offered and they can either take it and pay it back or decline it and keep the $10,000. And it was basically essentially free money. It was, it was, you don't have to pay it back. Well, that, that started, I think they started taking applications a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, something like that. Um, and I think money just now started to go out to some people. Um, that's a far cry from three days. 
Uh, and there, there's a ton of businesses that are complaining online. You, you can go on Reddit and you can read just thread after thread after thread of people who are complaining about this whole process. And even with the PPP loans, the, the paycheck protection loans, even those are being drug. Even by major banks, the, the best success stories that I have read are from people who went to their local banks that dealt with the SBA. They're actually getting it moved along quicker than major banks like Chase um, and Bank of America and Wells Fargo. They, they screwed everything up too. They were, they were turning away applications because they told these people that they couldn't apply unless they had a checking account with them. That's not fair. I mean, these businesses aren't all, I mean, they're going to these major banks because they're assuming that they're gonna have a better, stronger relationship and more funding options and get this thing pushed through quick. And then they're being told you know, by these banks, oh, you can't apply through us because you don't, you don't have a relationship with us. Well, that's ridiculous. So this whole thing's been a nightmare. It's been a mess. Um, I, I, I really wanna put a lot of pressure on the SBA. They're really dropping the ball on this. Um, and and they are they are directly going to be one of the reasons why a lot of these businesses have to close because these businesses assumed they would have ten thousand dollars in three days and they're not getting it and and to make matters even worse now the SBA has changed what they're doing with this ten thousand dollar grant money and they're only giving a thousand dollars per employee this is not what it says in the CARES Act this is this is not what was laid out by Congress. So I don't know where the SBA gets off changing the rules, but it's definitely not right. And I, it's gonna have to get worked out at some point. But the problem here is that these businesses don't, they can't wait that long. They can't wait for some point to happen. They need this money now to survive and to keep employees on payroll. And they can't do that because the SBA is just dragging their feet. So. Uh, major issues there. I, I would guess that over the next couple weeks, um, they'll probably get this all rolling out. A lot of businesses will start to see that money hit their accounts. Hopefully it's not too late. I know for some of them it will be. Uh, yesterday was too late. Last week was too late. So I know some of these businesses are, are really going through it. And I, I really, really hope that they're able to get through this and get to the other side because it is completely unfortunate that you go from Business is great. Economy is the best it's ever been. Everybody's happy, you know, looking at the future. I'm a business owner and, and I, I have been fortunate enough to still be able to run the business during this time. But we even have to look at things like our suppliers, where we get materials from. If, if one of them shuts down, that puts a lot of pressure on us. That could inflate the cost of materials. That could keep us from, from getting materials to do jobs. Uh, there, there's definitely a lot of things there that can cause a lot of problems. So I, I feel for a lot of these uh, business owners out here who are doing everything that they can to keep the business going and to pay these employees and, and try to put a little bit of cash in their pocket to pay their own bills. But... I know there's a lot of them that aren't gonna make it through and that is extremely unfortunate and I'm super pissed off that the SBA, I mean, we already had to deal with the Senate in the House dragging ass on getting this bill done and then for it to go to the SBA and have them completely screw it up and two weeks later, people still don't have money. This, it's just, it's out of control at this point. I mean, we're, we're, we're going on a month now of this money that you know people should have had right away to keep their businesses going and, and they, you know, they still don't have it. Uh, speaking of that, there's also uh, stimulus money that started going out to people uh, this week. 
So, you know, hopefully you've gotten yours. Um, I have not seen mine. I'll be very honest. I have not seen mine yet. Uh, and, and I don't know of anybody that has gotten theirs yet, but there is a lot of uh, talk about how they, they started doing the direct deposits. They started rolling those out. That'll probably roll out for a couple weeks. Um, and then I think the next batch that they're getting to is Social Security recipients, uh, people that don't file taxes, that just uh, get their income from Social Security. They will be the next deposits that they do. And then after all those are done, then they're going to start printing checks and mailing them. So uh, I, there is a website. I don't know what it is. I've just read about it. But there is a website. If you haven't done your taxes recently or if, if the IRS does not have your direct deposit info you can hop onto this website. I would just go to irs.gov. You'll find it. I'm sure it's going to be right on the front page. But there is a form that you can fill out that will alert them of what your deposit info is so that they can direct deposit it to you because it, it could literally be July, August, you know, before you get a check in the mail. So uh, if you are, are, I don't want to say owed, but if you should be getting some of the stimulus money but you don't think they have your direct deposit info on file, you definitely want to go to irs.gov and fill out the form that they have there to make sure that the IRS has your direct deposit info so they can get that money to you right away. Um, that's important. Otherwise, you could be waiting for quite a long time. Also, on irs.gov, I believe Friday, it rolls out a stimulus tracker. Uh, so kind of like the Where's My Refund tracker, this is a tracker that you can find out where your stimulus money is, when it's coming to you, if it hasn't already showed up. Um, I, I like the idea. I think it's a little late. Uh, they probably should have rolled that out before they started doing deposits, but whatever. Um, I think a lot of people, especially who are in the situation where they don't know if the IRS has their direct deposit info, Friday rolls around, you look on there and it hasn't been sent to you yet. It's probably worth it to get on and fill out that direct deposit info just so they have it. And then you can track when it's going to be coming to you. Uh, let's get back to Obama and his his uh, talk of, I can't even say supporting Biden because he's that's not even really what he's doing. I mean, he is, but he's not. Yeah, he's, he's, he's just bashing Republicans and Trump is all he's doing. Um, but this one is funny to me. Uh, this one he's talking about, he's he's talking negative again about Republicans, and he says something about the Republicans have a massive war chest, and I'll explain what he's talking about there here in, as soon as we finish this up. The other side has a massive war chest. The other side has a propaganda network with little regard for the truth. On the other hand, pandemics have a way of cutting through a lot of noise and spin to remind us of what is real. Okay, there's a lot to talk about in that small clip there, all right? Uh, first of all, let's talk about the propaganda network that he's referring to, which is Fox News. Let's be very fair, regardless of what side you're on, okay? If we want to talk about propaganda networks, it's definitely not Fox News. Now, Democrats or, or anybody on the left is always going to say that Fox News is propaganda just because they don't agree with it. And and that's fine. But there is a difference between not agreeing with something and something being propaganda. Fox News is a far cry from propaganda. And you can ask most people who watch news sources will tell you that Fox is more balanced than any other news network is. If we want to talk about propaganda, you have to look to CNN or MSNBC. All right, those those are straight up propaganda. It it's it's a little out of control. 
there has been a couple times recently where I feel like they have, and it's because of the coronavirus stuff, where I, I felt like maybe they were going to come to the middle a little bit and, and be a little bit more fair. Uh, but then, of course, they politicized the coronavirus thing and it shot way back far left again. So with Obama saying that the Republicans have a propaganda network, come on, man, that's that's not right. We all know that's that's garbage. Fox News obviously is going to be tilted more to the right. It's the only network for the Republicans, unless you're getting into um, there's like OAN um, which is like a paid subscription uh, thing or something, and it's on satellite. I, I'm not real sure. Yeah, there's there's other like indie networks like that. But when you're talking about major networks, when you're talking about Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, all these other channels, the only one that has any leaning to the right is Fox. Everybody else leans left. And, and that's that's a true statement. And it, uh, like I said, Democrats aren't going to agree with that because they, they live in their bubble and they want to just agree with what they see on, on their news networks. Um, and they will say that Fox is propaganda only because they just don't agree with it. Fox is one of the only channels that has people from the left and the right on. I mean, The Five, which is my favorite show on Fox News, has four Republicans and one Democrat. And obviously he's outnumbered, but you get to see both sides of, uh, you know, both viewpoints. One who is the Democrat on there is very, very anti what everybody else on there is saying. And he shows the left's viewpoints, but Fox allows that they allow people to come on and be interviewed from the left. And they don't, they don't talk bad about them or, you know, go at them hard or anything. I mean, they'll ask them some tough questions, but they ask Republicans tough questions too. I, I definitely believe that Fox is the more fair and balanced network than any of the other ones are. Democrats clearly are not going to agree with me when I say that. But to call Fox News propaganda is just outrageous. That That is an outrageous claim. Um, the other thing that he was talking about, what did he say at the end here? Hold on. Let me, let's, let's get back to the end of this here. The other side has a massive war chest. The other side has a propaganda network with little regard for the truth. <laughs> on the other hand... Pandemics have a way of cutting through a lot of noise oh, yeah. and spin to yeah. remind us of what is real. He's right. Prob or something like a pandemic will cut through the BS and show you what is real and what is not. Unfortunately for him and for the Democrats, it actually worked out in Trump and Republicans favor because, and I think I said it before on here, Trump with his daily briefings has basically turned the press into C-SPAN, okay? They have to sit, like, the, the it starts and it's completely uncut from beginning to end. People get to hear the president talk from beginning to end. No cuts, no splices, no edits, no spin, nothing. They just get to hear what he's talking about. They get to hear from the task force and then they get to make up their own mind. The problem here is that the ratings were so good Trump's approval rating started to jump up that the networks that we just talked about, CNN, MSNBC, them, they don't like that. They do not like that Trump is gaining approval from these daily briefings. So they decide that they're not going to show his full briefings. And the reason for it is they say, well, we're, we're not going to show him when he's 
talking and it's all lies and we're not going to put that on here because it's just all lies well first of all it's not all lies that's just what they want to say but secondly if people want to watch it let them watch it i mean if people really want to watch his briefing guess where they need to go if they want to watch the whole thing fox news and who has the best ratings out of all the news sources fox news so they can be mad all they want and they can cut away all they want and they can spin all they want. The problem is, is that there are, even on the Democrat side, there are hardcore Democrats that really want to hear what Trump is saying. If, if CNN and MSNBC are going to cut away from that, they'll just start watching Fox News to make sure they can see from beginning to end. Now, I'm not, I'm not even hinting that, that these people are going to flip sides or start really watching Fox. I'm not, I'm not making that claim. I'm just making the point that it doesn't help the ratings any. But they, when they see that they are being handcuffed by by Trump's briefings, then they try to get creative and they try to uh, say, well, we're, we're just going to cut away for now. We're going to talk real bad about him unless he has something important to talk about. And typically they won't go back unless Fauci or Burks or any of those people are speaking. Then they'll go back. But as soon as Trump starts talking, they just cut away again. They give him nothing, like literally nothing. He's, you know, orange man bad. We're not going to we're not going to play him. We're not going to put him on TV. He's just a horrible person. And that's that's how they look at it. So um, this is a clip from yesterday, uh, the Monday, the 13th. Trump came out and this was I thought it was pretty funny. He came out and he actually had a video play and the video just took the things that all these reporters have said over the last couple months and basically threw it back in their face. That, that's all it is. He's not saying anything negative. Nobody's saying anything negative. He literally, they, they put this video together, taking all the clips from all these people in the press and used it back against them because it was stuff they've said in the last month or two. Well, obviously, they didn't like that. The press didn't like it. The news stations didn't like it. Fox didn't have a problem with it because they didn't do anything wrong. But all these other news stations were super pissed about it. Here is a clip of MSNBC. This is while it was being played live. And then all of a sudden they cut in the vaccine. We are cutting into what was not a White House coronavirus task force briefing. I am Ari Melber. Our special coverage continues. We are going to avoid airing any more of this White House briefing until it returns to what it was supposed to be, which was the coronavirus task force providing medical information. What we just saw, I want to be very clear with viewers, was a video the White House put out, which suggests they are spending their precious time right now making videos that defend the president's record and tenure rather than provide the much needed emergency medical information that was promised. <laughs> okay. So that he's making the claim that they're sitting behind the scenes, working hard on making this campaign video for Trump instead of doing what needs to be done medically for all these people. Okay. Let's just be real. All right. This is all they're doing is working on medical stuff for people. It's, it's, we all see it. It's there's not a hospital that I'm aware of that has really been overrun. They've got more supplies than they need, and they're working hard every day to take care of that. One person that sits down and clips together some. I mean, it's not like they edited anything. They literally took these clips out of these people from the news stations and just put them in succession and played it to them. It, it's it it probably would have took took somebody taken somebody. 10, 15 minutes to put this video together. It wasn't that big of a deal. It was nothing hard. And of course, they're going to make it out like it was this horrible thing. Now, the, the point of this video was to show the press. The press keeps saying that, in the, in the left, keeps saying that Trump 
didn't take this seriously from the beginning. And they make it sound like they did. Everybody else in the world knew that this was going to be a bad thing, but Trump didn't. We all know that's wrong. We all know that nobody took it seriously. Nobody. Let's not even, let's, let's not try to pat anybody on the back. Nobody took this very seriously when it was first being talked about. If we go back to the end of January, Trump puts the task force together and bans travel into the United States from China. And he had people like Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden calling him a xenophobe for doing it. And then you got Nancy Pelosi out in Chinatown, you know, in, in, in Cali, in San Francisco, talking about, come join us here. And, you know, it's safe. That's in the middle of February. How do these people now turn around and say that Trump's a bad guy and he didn't do things sooner? Like, it, it's it's just insane. I, I'm not even going to get into that because we're all fully aware of how this works. They're trying to rewrite history, essentially, to say that they knew and and Trump was wrong. It's it's an absolute disaster for them right now. I I, I see no way for them to win come this November. Uh, back to the war chest comment that uh, Obama made. Here are the numbers between the DNC and the GOP, okay? So Democrats have yet to release their March numbers, but at the end of February, both Biden's campaign and the DNC together combined held just roughly 20 million. That accounts for debt held by the National Party which is another problem. Like the, the National Party, the DNC has so much debt, it's insane. They they have to fundraise just to pay their debt. They, they're not sitting on, they don't have a lot of equity, right? They're just getting money and paying debt, which is pretty insane to me. So roughly $20 million combined between Biden and the DNC, right? Well, here's the numbers for the RNC and the Trump campaign. This is the headline. Trump campaign RNC raised $212 million in the first quarter. All right. So we don't know what Biden and the DNC did in March, but at the end of February, they only had $20 million combined. Trump and the RNC combined raised $212 million in the first quarter. Now, Let's also keep in mind what was happening or what has been happening during the first quarter, not only dealing with this coronavirus, but impeachment. So during the time that the Democrats are trying to impeach him and during the time that he's been dealing with and fighting this coronavirus, he was still able to manage raising $212 million in the first quarter. While Democrats, while they're impeaching Trump and had 870 different candidates, barely scraped by at the end of February with 20 million, a drop in the bucket compared to what Trump and the RNC has. So it's going to be a really, really, really tough grind for the Democrats to get any traction to move forward with this. I, I, I don't there's something really bad would have to happen over the next few months for Trump to lose support. And I, I do think a lot of moderates and independents are going to vote red. I, I don't think people are going to vote for Biden. Um, even if they maybe agree with some of his policy or or maybe lean a little bit left, I still don't think that they're, maybe they just won't vote at all, which hurts them. It hurts Biden and it hurts the Democrats. It doesn't hurt Republicans. If people don't go out and vote, 
it's it's going to hurt uh, the the Democrat side. It's going to hurt Biden. It's not going to hurt uh, Trump and the Republicans. So uh, I, I look forward to these debates. This, this is like the if if we don't get sports this year, and I'm a huge college football fan, and if we don't get sports, debates are going to be like the prime time thing. Like it, it's it's going to be crazy, like taking shots and wagers and all sorts of stuff on these debates, but it's going to be fantastic. I cannot wait for this to happen. And I really, really, really do hope it's going to be Trump and Biden uh, debating because that is going to be an absolute nightmare for Biden, but it's going to be great uh, for people like me when I watch it. So looking forward to that. Uh, real quick, before we wrap up, let's just talk about uh, COVID-19 uh, coronavirus cases right now, at, uh, as of right now, uh, 612,000 confirmed cases in the U.S., uh, just shy of 26,000 deaths. Um, this also shows the amount of people that recovered, and it says 48,000. I'm not real sure on where that number comes from and how that equates. I mean, there's 612,000 people confirmed have it, and they're showing 48,000 recovered. I'm assuming that means after the two-week period, and then they were tested again, and shows that you know they, uh, it's not they don't have it anymore. So obviously, that number is is just it's it's kind of a pointless number to have. Same, I mean, confirmed cases, I get it, but the number of cases that is completely unknown. There are a ton of asymptomatic people, uh, plenty of people who have had it and, and just never knew that they had it, plenty of people who have it or had it and just it kind of felt like a mild flu. Uh, there is a, there is so many cases that we're unaware of, um, but but confirmed actual tested people that that confirmed uh, that they were uh, or that they came out positive with COVID is six hundred and twelve thousand three hundred and eighty as of today in the United States. Worldwide, it's just under 2 million, 126,000 deaths, and they're showing just under half a million people recovered, 485,000. Uh, their percentages are really weird on here. But uh, this plays into the, uh, the World Health Organization. Trump today announced that they are not going to fund the World, World Health Organization uh, and, and that's the right move. They, they screwed this up royally, not only for us, but for many, many other people around this country or around this uh, planet, all the countries around this planet, they, they just, they dropped the ball on this. And I, I really think that they were, they were doing a lot of bidding for the Chinese and the United States is the largest funder of the WHO. And so that is going to hurt them tremendously. Uh, that the United States is going to back off on on their funding until they they get their stuff together. So that is going to hurt them big time. Um, but I I do think that right now there is a lot of conversation um, about getting the economy open, and and that's extremely important at this point. And no, it is not a conversation of opening the economy means, you know, killing people that, that is the, that is the craziest thing that people are saying that, you know, if you want the economy open, you're valuing the economy over lives. That's not true. And, and if you really want to get serious about it, people losing their businesses, losing their jobs, having to sit at home for two, three, four weeks at a time, depression is kicking in. Um, a lot of domestic abuse is happening. These things are actually costing more lives. This is this is 
not a good situation for us to be in. And civil unrest is right around the corner. Initially, you know, when Trump came out and said he wanted to try to get things going by Easter, I think everybody kind of knew that that probably wasn't going to happen, but it was a goal. It was something that to kind of keep people like, okay, that's not that far. You know, we can make it to that. Um, unfortunately, then he had to come back out and say, that's not going to happen. So, you know, we're going to push it to April 30th, right? Well, I think that that is good because it's extending it. It makes people feel a little bit more comfortable. We can get past, you know, these, these large curves um, and, and start to slowly open the economy back up. But here's the problem. If we hit May 1st or anywhere near May 1st and they start talking about extending it even more, I think we're going to have a lot of civil unrest. I think people are going to start hitting the streets and they're they're going to start disobeying orders. We're already seeing it happen in places across the country. I mean, let's be very let's be very clear. I'm all for trying to stay safe and trying to make sure that, you know, if if by any chance myself or a family member has COVID and we're asymptomatic that we're not out there passing it on to somebody else. Look, I'm all for that and that's what we've been doing. But we can only do that for so long. We cannot, we are we are the land of the free. Having our government tell us we have to lock down for months on end is just not gonna happen. We, we just can't let that happen. We need to be back at work. We need to be, I mean, I, I'm all for the social distancing. I'm all for the, you know, making sure there's not more than so many people in a specific area at one time. I'm okay with that. And I think a lot of, Places are okay with that. I think a lot of people are okay with that. But we can't just shut everything down and say, well, we'll just wait a couple months. That, it's not going to work. Um, in, in the next podcast I do, I'm going to talk about the the uh, governor of uh, Michigan um, and what she, with the crazy lengths that she's been going to with the lockdowns going on there. She's got a lot of people pissed off there too. Um, so the governors, I think here, Ricketts has done a great job. Um, many people won't agree with me because they think he should have done a stay at home order. I don't believe that we needed a stay at home order. In fact, Nebraska has some of the least amount of cases, uh, in the country, if not the least, I, I, am not hundred percent on that. I'd have to go back and look at the numbers, but we are a very rural place. I mean, obviously the, you know, Lincoln and Omaha are big cities, but outside of that, um, it's, it's, it's just a lot of land. And, and there's a, we, I think we've done very good with the social distancing. I think businesses have done the best that they can, um, right away to make sure that, um, you know, there's only so many people in a store at one time. Uh, they, they've, everybody's done a really, really good job around here that, that I have seen myself. So I think that if they start this economic rollout, they're going to start with places like here. And in the Midwest, I think that's what's going to happen. They're going to focus on the Midwest first, simply because we don't we don't have it bad like, you know, like New York had it or like Michigan's getting it or, you know, it's, it's not like that. We don't have a huge population in, in a small area. So it, it's easier for us to get through that. But our economy has got to get rolling again. Uh, it, it's it's just it's not good right now. And we can't we can't do this for much longer. We've got to get rolling the stock market is still drunk, uh, but luckily the last couple of days it has it jumped way up. Uh, that's good. That is really good. The only bad thing about it is it seems to jump up and then, uh, you know, I don't know if it hits a hangover or something and then it just falls. 
Um, and then it and then it takes a few shots and jumps up again. I mean, the stock market is seriously like a, a, a depressed teenage kid who can't stop drinking. Uh, so it, it's up and down. It's all over the place. Nobody really knows what whether that's going to go. Uh, but we need to get it back stable. We need to get people back in their jobs. The funding needs to come through for these businesses. The SBA has got to get this fixed. And I, and I hope that the government holds them to the fire for how badly they handled this. I know it was a lot of pressure put on them, but they screwed this up royally. Uh, the WHO screwed this up royally. The Chinese screwed this up royally. These are all people to blame. Uh, well, not blaming the SBA for coronavirus, but... Um, the Chinese are the people to blame for coronavirus and the WHO, the World Health Organization, didn't help. And they made it seem like it wasn't that big of a deal and and they need to be held accountable as well. So, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a it's going to be an interesting year to say the least. I think we we need to focus right now and I think this is what they're doing. Focus right now on us, get through this time, get the economy back, you know, slowly opening and get people back to work and try to get back to somewhat of a normal life. Once we can get a vaccine or once we can get back to some normalcy here, I definitely think there's going to be some serious, serious backlash on the WHO and on the Chinese. And uh, we'll, we'll see where that leads us. Um, we'll see what the Chinese decide they're going to do in response to that because they're they're kind of poking their chest out right now. Uh, and there's not a whole lot we can do about it just because we're dealing with this. But once we come out of this, uh, it, it, it could get, it could get pretty crazy between the United States and, and the, and China. So, uh, we'll see what happens, but, uh, first things first, we need to make sure that Joe Biden is not the president during that time, because then, I mean, that, that's just a whole nother area that we're not even talking about that the president's going to have to deal with outside of coronavirus and the economy. You were talking about the Chinese, you know, acting like they're stronger than us. And so there's just so much to deal with. And, and I think, you know, Trump's already put so much stuff in place that he needs to be the one to stick through for the next four years, see that through, make sure it happens, get this economy back on track. He proved he can do it. He did it once before he's going to do it again. And, and I, I wouldn't want anybody else in there right now needing to get the economy back to where it was, uh, but Trump. So, um, make sure obviously when we get close to that time that you're registered to vote, make sure you're voting, make sure you're voting for Trump, uh, and, and get this, keep this going for the next four years. Um, and so we can get back on track and, and, uh, beat this virus and, and, uh, claim the top spot again. So, uh, once again, thank you all for listening. I'm going to go ahead and end this. I'm pushing an hour. So I'm gonna go ahead and end this. Like I said, I apologize that it's taken me so much longer to get to this. I want to get to a point where I'm doing this three, four, even five times a week. So I will continue to try to get down here and get these things knocked out as quickly as I possibly can. Um, so, you know, just, just hold me to it. And, and, uh, I, I'll try to make some time and, and get to this almost every day. I have a couple other guests already lined up. We're just planning days to make that happen. So if you guys liked the last one, the conversation with Bobby Williams, if you guys like that style, let me know. Um, because I, I, I'm, I do this to, to talk about what I think is important to people, but I, I don't want it to always be politics and news and doom and gloom. I, I, that's not what I want. I, I want some fun in there, too. And I think having guests on and talking with people that I've worked with musically or grew up with or uh, people that I do some business with, I think having those conversations on here are very important. And I think that it, it's something that you guys might be interested in. So let me know uh, if that's something that you guys liked. And uh, we'll make sure to keep that rolling. Um, and I will try to get back on here in the next day or two and get another one knocked out. So 
Until then, I will see you next time. You are listening to the Midwestern American Podcast. Straight to you from the middle of the map.